we're going to come round to the Word of God now. And if you've got a Bible with you, and you want to turn with me to the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 19 today. If you're following online or you're just, you haven't got a Bible with you, it should come up on the screen in a minute. We're going to be Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start at verse 28 together this morning. This is what it says. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied up there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Let's pray together. Father God, as we open up this passage of scripture together today, we pray above everything, Lord God, that we will hear your voice speaking to us, guiding us, edifying us, challenging us. Lord, showing us what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Lord, we utter those words of Samuel this morning and say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we begin to enter the final chapters of this amazing gospel, and as we begin to talk about Jesus' culmination of the very reason that he came to earth, we're going to 
spend a little bit of time this morning focusing together on this triumphal entry that Jesus made into Jerusalem. It was a day of celebration. It was a day of expectation. You see, shortly before this day, Jesus had done the impossible. He had done the unthinkable. He had done the unimaginable. You see, a man named Lazarus, who had been dead in a tomb for three whole days, his body beginning to rot and decay, a man for whom there was no hope whatsoever because of the length of time that he had been dead, had been raised back to life by this Jesus. And as a result, a crowd gathers They had heard that the one who raised Lazarus from the dead was coming to town, so they wanted to see this man for themselves. They laid their coats on the floor. They pulled palm branches off the trees, and they laid them down as well as a sign of respect, as a a sign of honor for the coming king. They were expecting a king that day who would come and overthrow the Romans, who who would bring freedom from the oppression that they faced here on earth. But when this king, King Jesus, rode into town, what they got was something quite different. But on this day, at least, that didn't affect them. On this day, at least, they still cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which means, Lord, save us. And when the religious leaders heard the crowd shouting these things, they began to get angry. They turned to Jesus and they said, you must quiet this crowd down. They cannot be shouting things like this. There is no way they should be talking about you in this particular way. And Jesus turns that day to those religious leaders and he says to them, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And this is where I really want to hang most of my thoughts today on verse 40, on these words of Jesus when he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And today I want us to ask the question, in a season where our song has been silenced, in a season where our praise has been muted, how are we to worship a God that, despite everything that we have gone through in the last few months, is still totally and utterly worthy of our praise. Because here's the heart of the matter. Jesus was told to rebuke his disciples on this day who were crying out praise and worship towards him. And he turned round and he said, I request. I wonder how you would have felt if Jesus had asked this of you. Personally, if this was me in this particular position, I think I would have felt incredibly uncomfortable. Go into a town and find a donkey that I don't know who it belongs to, but I'm to take that donkey. And if anyone asks what I'm doing with a donkey, I'm just to say the master needs it. I would have been incredibly uncomfortable with that. I don't particularly like confrontation. So to do something like that would have made me feel incredibly uneasy. But in other accounts of this incident, what we see is it tells us that the disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Why? Because they realized that Christ was Lord and that he was master of all. And if they were to live lives of praise in a way which stopped the rocks crying out on their behalf, it's not merely enough to sing. And that's the lesson that we need to learn too. We are called to be a people who obey his words. 
There's an old song which says something along the lines of, on Sunday I was praying for revival, but on Monday I can't even find my Bible. I wonder for how many of us that has been true for us, if we're totally and utterly honest with ourselves. That we come to church on a Sunday and we enjoy singing songs together, particularly when the worship leader picks songs that are from our era or songs that we really connect with. And we love it. We're there and we're praising God with all of our hearts. But when it comes to Monday and the daily grind of work hits, when another bill falls onto our mat that we think, how on earth am I going to pay for this? When something else happens in our week which simply just rocks us, God feels like a million miles away. When our song has been silenced, when we haven't got a thousand tongues to sing our great Redeemer's praise, what does worship look like? I think we've just gone offline for a minute, so at this point I'm going to take a short interlude to the sermon because I don't want people to miss what's going on. I'm hoping we're going to get back online any second. We'll just, uh, just wait for a minute, if that's okay. Why don't we just spend a little bit of time praying together while, um, while we get back online. And let's think about this idea to together this morning. What does it look like when our song has been silenced? Father God, we do pray that we can live lives which honour you. We pray that we can live lives which speak of your wonder and your greatness. We pray that we will know what it means to really, really worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. I do believe we're back online now, so we'll crack back on with the sermon, and we'll crack back on with where we are. What does it look like, therefore, if we are to live lives which stop the rocks crying out on our behalf? First and foremost, it means acknowledging his lordship and taking him at his words and doing what he says. So the first challenge for us this morning is simply this. Is Christ right now Lord of your life? Are you doing what he says? Are you living a life of praise by the way that you live, by the way that you speak, by the way that you behave, by the way that you act, and by the way that you follow his words? If we're to keep the stones quiet, if we're to stop the rocks crying out on our behalf, this is where it starts. Number two, if we're to keep the stones quiet and, stop, and stop the rocks crying out on our behalf, it means accepting the purpose of Christ in our life too. The crowds lined the streets that day to welcome the coming king. But what they wanted was a king which was quite different from what they actually got. They wanted a warrior who was going to overthrow the Romans. But the truth is, the king they got was a different kind of king altogether. One whose kingdom was not of this world. And with the full canon of scripture at our disposal, being able to look back on what the Bible says about all of these things, it can be easy, can't it, for us to look at the people that day and think, well, how did they get it so wrong? How did they not know who Jesus was and what he was coming to do by this point? Why were they still crying out for this warrior who was going to overthrow the Romans? But actually, when we look at it, they weren't the only people to get it wrong. We see in other parts of Scripture that Jesus' very disciples were still getting it wrong. 
there's a point in scripture where two of his disciples say, listen, Jesus, we want to sit at your left hand and your right hand in glory. Can you make that happen for us? And so often we do exactly the same, don't we? We come to God with our agendas. We come to God with our plans and our purposes. And we come to God and ask him to do the things that we want to do and expect him to move in accordance with our will. Don't believe me? My challenge for you this morning is to look at your prayer life. Look at the things that you pray for on a regular basis. Look for the things that you are actively seeking God for. You see, our prayer life often reveals something of our hearts. When we pray, if we're honest, we pray in accordance with our own agendas. God, give me financial breakthrough so I can pay off my debts. God, help so-and-so come round to my way of thinking. God, will you do this in order for that to happen? I mean, probably we dress our prayers up a little bit more spiritually than that. But the reality is too often we go our own way and we do our own thing and we ask God to bless what we have already decided to do in our life. And in doing so, what we actually do is we try to fit this awesome God into our image, where true praise, the type of praise which keeps the rocks from crying out and keeps the rocks quiet, says, do you know what? I don't have it all figured out. God, I don't understand what you're doing right now, but I am choosing not to lean on my own understanding. I am choosing that in all my ways, I am going to acknowledge you. I wonder today, where are the areas in your life right now that you're expecting one outcome only for something very different to have happened? I wonder which areas of your life maybe you thought you had all figured out and then a curveball has come around and come along and suddenly everything seems to be smashed into pieces. In a season where so many of our plans have been messed up and distorted. So many of our hopes and dreams have been dashed. The call of God once again is to trust him. He is on the throne. He knows what he is doing. He always has done and he always will do. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But the way that we keep the rocks from crying out on our behalf is to make a conscious choice once again to trust God with all of our hearts today, leaning not on our own understanding, despite what we might be going through. You know, the loudest praise that you and I can give, which is louder than any song, which is a better tune than any musician can play, is a heart which says, God, I'm trusting in you above everything. Whatever happens, whatever comes my way, you are Lord. Because it cries of the ultimate hope that we have in Jesus Christ. What areas of your life today do you need to declare your trust in God once again? You know, one of the greatest praise statements which can come from our lips is the words that Jesus spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. How do we stop the rocks crying out on our behalf? What does it look like to praise God when our song has been silenced? Number one, it means acknowledging Jesus as Lord of our life. It, number two, it means accepting his purposes for our life. And number three, it means affirming his power in our life. Before Jesus enters the city on this day, 
the disciples would have witnessed the remarkable events of what happened in the life of Lazarus, where he was raised from the dead. But this wasn't the only thing that they saw. They had witnessed with their own eyes Jesus walking on the water. They had marveled when Jesus turns water into wine. They would have been amazed when the blind received their sight. They would have been astounded when the deaf were able to hear. They would have been overcome when they saw lepers cleansed of their illness. But in a few short days of this moment, as they made their way into the city again, everything was about to be turned upside down. There would be no fanfare this time. There would be no joy. They would be scattered. They would be confused. They would have abandoned the one that they followed for so long. They would have been fearful for their lives. Their song was about to be silenced. How do you praise God in the midst of a song which is silenced? By affirming his power, by remembering what he has done for you in the past, remembering how he has moved in your life, remembering how he has been so gracious to you. I don't know what this lockdown has been like for you. For some people, lockdown has been amazing. They've loved it. It's meant a slower pace of life. It's meant not having to see as many people. They've read books. They've enjoyed the weather. They've done loads of things. But for others, this lockdown period has been the worst period of their life that they can ever remember full of hike full of hurt full of pain full of separation full of mental health issues full of anxiety and for you it feels like your song has been silenced not because we haven't been able to sing together at present but because the very joy of life has been totally and utterly knocked out of you how do you recover how do you find again? It's by looking back and by remembering once again how faithful God has been to you in the past. Remembering those moments where God has moved in your life in power and you were astounded and amazed by what he has done for you. And when you do that, you begin to learn to lean on the everlasting arms of God in your current circumstances and situations. It's there in that moment that you begin to say, as Paul said, that these troubles that I am going through right now are only light and momentary and they are achieving something far greater in my life. You know, it's the strategy that the people of God have used throughout ages and generations. That's why the Israelites were commanded on so many occasions throughout history to praise God in the midst of their darkness by having festivals, by setting up monuments so they could look back and remember God's faithfulness even when things got incredibly difficult. What does your heart, I wonder, need to be reminded of today? If you're watching online right now, I'd love to hear some praise stories. I'd love to hear some testimonies of how God has been faithful to you in the past. I'd love to know what God has done in your life where you can look back on and say, I am amazed how God has moved. Let's start a praise party this morning. Let's show one another when we're feeling down, when we're feeling knocked out, when we're feeling like there's no hope, that God has moved in the past and therefore we can trust and rely that he has not forgotten us in this season. And we can say together, my God is faithful. What has God done for you in the past that can help us to look forward to how faithful he is going into the future? How do we praise when our song has been silenced? We recognize 
the one who brings us peace. On that day where Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the disciples cried out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And when Jesus rode in and he looked over that city, he wept. And he said these words, If you, even you, had only known this day that which would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Peace is something, if we're honest, we all crave. And yet, when we look at it, very, very few people ever really attain true peace. And when we speak about peace, I guess we're talking about the absence of strife in our lives, a healthy, wholesome way of living, an easy life with no worries and no cares. And ultimately, to some degree or another, that's what every human being wants. But the problem is that the peace that the world offers is incredibly, incredibly fleeting. We can feel peaceful one moment, and like everything's okay one moment. And then suddenly it's all ripped from us. And that peace seems to be a million miles away, and everything feels like it's falling apart. We've known that over the last few months, right? Suddenly, everything that we've had that felt like a firm foundation was ripped apart, and we've seemed in utter turmoil at times. But the peace that Jesus gives is a peace that the world cannot give, and the world cannot comprehend. The Bible, when it speaks about peace, speaks about shalom. It speaks about a wholeness. The peace that Jesus gives means that everything around you can be falling apart, but you are able to stay firm. It's a peace which enables us to recognize that what we are going through is not the end for us, that this world is not our home, that we are merely passing through. It's a peace which gives our eyes an eternal perspective. How do we praise God when our song has been silenced by pressing into him and leaning on those everlasting arms? You see, the Bible makes it very clear how we find this kind of peace. We read in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to know the peace of God today, that's where it starts. With prayer, coming to your heavenly Father, with supplication, telling him about what's going on in your life, and with thanksgiving, thanking him that he is in control, that he knows what he's doing, that he is on the throne, by looking back to what's happened in the past in order to hold on to him, now, here, right with everything. Then... When we do that, the Bible says, we'll begin to know something of his peace. We'll begin to know we're protected by the awesome creator of the universe. Let me ask you today, do you have peace in your life right now? Maybe are you looking for peace in all the wrong places? Are you hoping that your financial security might bring you peace or your family or your friends or maybe even your church? The truth is, friend, there is only one who can give you genuine peace. He is known as the Prince of Peace. And today, praise him for that and press into him. How do we praise God when our song has been silenced? We acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We accept his purposes for our life. We affirm his power by looking back and remembering. We seek his peace in the places where he calls us to seek his peace. And finally... 
we welcome his presence. On that day, as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, the disciples cried out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. In the midst of your greatest struggle, your greatest weapon is the presence of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again because we all need to hear that today. In the midst of your greatest struggle, your greatest weapon is the presence of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Today, you can know Jesus closer than a brother. The Bible tells us that Jesus dwells within us. Today, if you want to praise God, even though the song has been silenced, allow him to make your heart his home. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation, that we should seek the Lord while he is there to be found. And friend, if you're watching this, and if you're in the room and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, let me ask you a question today. How has it gone for you up until this point? Do you feel that you know the peace of God? Do you feel like you've got life figured out? Or does everything seem a mess? Today, Jesus welcomes you and he invites you into friendship with him. The greatest news is Jesus Christ can make your heart his home. So today, as I begin to close, the challenge for all of us is simply this. In a season where our song has been silenced, where we can't sing together, where we can't do the things that we used to do in order to praise his holy name. How do we draw close to him? How do we, once again, make our song louder than the rocks in the ground? We have to acknowledge him as Lord of our life. We have to accept the purposes that he has for our life, knowing that the Bible says that he works all things together for good for those who love him. We have to come once again and spend time with Jesus in the secret place. We have to welcome his presence into our life. Friends, this has been a truly awful, awful season on so many levels. You know, we sent a survey out recently asking people when they feel that they might want to return to church in person once again. And a good proportion of people said, I'll return to church when I can sing again. And you know, I get that. I long to lift up my voice. I long to be able to sing in the congregation of God's people once again and worship together through song. But the truth is, genuine worship was never about a song. It was about our lives. And we live in a beautiful, amazing creation that speaks volumes of the glory and the majesty of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, the Bible tells us. But you know, our song should be louder. Even when we can't sing, our song should be louder. The song of our lives which acknowledges who Jesus is and pursues his presence and affirms his power and seeks his peace. How is your song sounding today? I'm going to invite the band back up. And if you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand.
And this morning, as the band lead us in worship, as the band lift up their voices, let's take this moment once again to acknowledge who Jesus is. Let's take this moment once again to declare him Lord of our lives. Let's take this moment once again to remember what he has done for us in the past. Let's take this moment again to seek his peace. And let's take this moment again to welcome his presence this morning. Father God, we come before you and we acknowledge there may have been times that when our song has been silenced, we too have been silenced. That we've wanted to give up, that we wanted to forget it all and just crack on with our lives. Lords, help us to sing louder than ever before, even when we can't use our voices. Help our lives proclaim the majesty of you. And right now, Lord Jesus, we welcome your presence into this room and online. Will you speak to your people? May there be words of knowledge this morning. May there be Bible verses which are given. May we meet with you in a very special and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.